0: Hey everybody, this is Martin, and you're listening to Healing Together, a podcast that connects you to me and some of my amazing friends, where we hope that our stories will bring you comfort, inspiration and healing. I want to give you a behind-the-scenes view of people's lives, both the ordinary and extraordinary. And I think that you will realise that most often moving through struggle relies on finding a way to shine a light on some of the darkest corners of your heart. And through this, we can build strength and therefore remain open, kind and grateful. Hey everybody, welcome to episode seven of Healing Together, and today, we have my beautiful friend, Nikki Weatherall, and Nikki is going to talk to us about her journey with her sexuality and how that's impacted on her relationship with herself and her husband, and how it's affected her life in all of the different ways that it has. And I'm delighted that she's joining us here. So how are you today, Nikki?
1: I'm good, thank you. Yeah. I'm feeling um, honoured to be on your podcast um, and a little bit anxious, I guess, underneath, but I'm excited to share um, because if it helps someone, that's great, right?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I was so delighted that you agreed because I've been particularly inspired um, in by the way that you've really worked at and sometimes beyond some of your edges and some of the ways in which you've responded to that and, and how you have, have managed yourself through it. I think not just in relation to what we're going to talk about today, but actually that can be extended to anybody's struggles with certain aspects of who they are and, and what that might mean for them in their lives and uh, in, in the true spirit of the healing together together Message. It's that you know, it's it's our own journey and what's going on within us, but also how that impacts on those around us, and and all of those difficult conversations and dynamics that we we need to navigate. And so, I think that there'll be a much wider um, uh, impact on on those that are listening, even if they haven't struggled with some of the specific issues that we're going to be talking about today.
1: Yeah, absolutely
0: yeah okay well before we get going whenever i have a guest on the pod i always like to start with just some really simple breath work just to help us settle in to arrive and be in the best possible place to have this conversation so um to prepare if you just sit up tall And I'm sitting on quite a a cosy chair here, so I have to sit myself up. And I think because of what's going on today, the the day that we're recording, which is the Queen's funeral, there's quite a lot of emotions uh, being stirred up and all different kinds of grief and loss. And I think we all need a hug. And so I'm going to ask you, uh, Nikki, to just cross your arms over your chest and find the ribs and give yourself a nice hug there. Closing your eyes. And we're going to take three deep breaths down into the belly, into the sides of the ribs. Feel the ribs expand, the shoulders expand. Exhale, let it go through the mouth. And another inhale in. Filling up bottom, middle, top. And let it go. Last one. Inhale in. And exhale And release.
1: Mm. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I felt like I was giving you a hug then.
1: Oh, that was nice. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice. I was thinking, i oh, feel really held. It's nice to have that sense of being held, isn't it? Well.
0: well, and and you do that so well for so many others. So, <laughs> nice for you to to feel it back by yourself and uh, the energy that I'm sending to you through the screen yeah. as well. Yes, <laughs> okay so Nikki tell us your story um start wherever you like and uh, we'll just go with the flow and, and look into some of this stuff
1: okay start wherever i like where do i want to start i'm always one with this question right do i start the beginning or do i start kind of in the present um but i feel really cool to start at at the beginning to give I guess some framework to um some aspects of of my story um, so I was raised in a really heteronormative family um, I had um I, I mean I'm 41 so I at the time of um of recording this um, so it was at a time my teenage years, um, and I guess my my years before that were a time where being anything other than straight wasn't particularly an option. I was really aware of um, the AIDS epidemic. I was um, brought up in in a, such a kind of hetero space that my parents didn't have any friends that were anything other than than straight kind of 2.4 families, um, for want of a better description. Um, And so yeah, being a teenager in the 90s, it was still um, taboo. It wasn't uh, legal to be married. Um, People weren't out at school, being called gay or lesbians were kind of slur terms um there was just no examples and I really believe that in order for us to feel like we can be some something like it's really helpful to have an example of that um yeah. so across across every aspect of our lives um and my life it was very heteronormative and then um when I was 15 I was raped at a party and um I really pushed that down for a very, very long time. Um, it was about uh, 15 years that I had not told anyone um, other, than, other than this one person. And I was put in a situation where suddenly that trauma was something I couldn't avoid anymore. Um, it was literally staring me in the face constantly. So. Um, where I'd done such a good job at pushing it down, um, it had started to bubble up a few years before that, when I had my son, I had really bad postnatal depression, and um, yeah. my birth was really traumatic, um, and, and I had told my midwife, actually, that what had happened to me, and the rape victim was on my notes, um, but regardless of that, I still had a traumatic birth, I was put in a lift with a male porter on my own with nothing but a t-shirt on my husband was sent home during my labor so that whole thing was quite traumatic and it started to stir um it was like imagine it like a saucepan with some sediment at the bottom and the trauma was the sediment and the birth was like started to stir up this this stuff and I really believe that what happens to bring it to the forefront was fate like it, it was meant to come up when it did and so then fast forward um, a few years later, I was in a position where I was literally staring into the face of this trauma, and I couldn't avoid it anymore. And so, I ended up having a complete breakdown, um, and I spent really like a, a lot of years healing from that and trying to recover from that. And I did time in the priory. Did nine months in the priory on daycare. Um, and that was amazing I learned a lot of skills but what I, I consider is like I was learning to drive when I was in there and when I came out of that place that um then I learned to exist in the real world and that was when I start to build these these real skills of how to manage things that had happened to me and how to manage my mental well-being and and existing in a way that wasn't pushing things down um and what became really apparent from that was I had to live such an openly honest existence, openly honest life, because the thing about hiding what happened to me that was one of the most traumatic things was feeling like I was living this enormous lie. And so I, I felt like all of the major milestones in my life were a lie. I hadn't told my husband what had happened to me. Um, for te- we were together 10 years before he found out. When I told him, um, so getting married, having children, um, moving in together, um, my relationships that I had with my family, with friends, um, the the projection I put of myself out to the world was not really a true version of me. So um, I realized part of my healing was actually in being very honest about who I am and the things that I experienced. Um, and my work at the time then became a lot about mental well-being and I was personal training at the time but from a mindset mental health perspective um, so it was like this kind of undercurrent of my life that filtered out into different areas and it just became really important for me to to be open and honest but also I could see the difference that that, that made and then fast forward, like. Um, about seven years into that healing journey, I started to have these realizations that perhaps my attraction to women was more than just something that was a fantasy. Um, and it started to really play on my mind. You know, I w- I was absolutely in love with my husband. He's the most amazing amazing man at this point we've been together nearly 23 years um two children three house renovations later <laughs> um <laughs> like more in love than than ever you know i never dreamed for one moment that i could experience the depth of love and happiness and radical honesty and openness within a relationship a relationship where you're just so accepted um for who you are and not just accepted but really encouraged to to be yourself um and so at that point I was like fuck I'm like I'm really in love with my husband and I'm really happy but why do I fancy women so much And I don't think I could even use those words I was just really curious as to Uh okay so in my mind like what is this fantasy about is this something that's that's real or so I dived into watching every LBGTQ programme I possibly could find, which, let's be honest, there's still uh, a, not a wide source, <laughs> source of <point laughs> around that. And I'm not talking about porn. I'm talking about, you know, Netflix series or films or what have you. Uh-huh. And um, I actually, one of the ones that um, that I was most engrossed in was a, a series called You, Me, Her, where it's about a married couple that fall in love with this woman and they end up in a relationship together and I was at the time it was like on a very subtle level for me that um, that was even a possibility but I was just so curious and I was like wow like is this a thing I always thought polyamory was for people that I had these visions of you know people with nine kids and several wives in certain states in America like a really ignorant view of polyamory (laughs) um but it didn't even all all I was focused on at that time was wow like I, I think that this is more than a fantasy for me but I just I continued to push it down still and this kind of curiosity went on for maybe three years I think, Um, I lose track of timelines now but basically in 2019 um, I had this huge change in my life where we decided to move house, I decided to give up personal training, focus on renovating this complete wreck that we brought Um, and it was a time where I was able to really let go fully, I knew I was still I felt like healed in the the most healed sense of the word. Although I very much believe this is like the proverbial onion. Like we we heal a part of ourselves and then we find another layer. And yeah, so end goal or end result that we're aiming towards. It's just being the best, happiest, most healthiest version of ourselves. Um, and so I was aware that when we moved, that potentially I had some other things to come up. I wasn't quite prepared for literally seven weeks after moving um realizing that I was in fact absolutely 100% not straight and it wasn't a fantasy um I was working away and um there was someone that was a sex coach there and she talked really openly about um being bisexual and just really like really fucking owning her sexuality and and not feeling any shame for for anything around sex and pleasure and um I'd always had this sense of too muchness around um being quite a sexual person and it was just really inspiring and I also definitely had a crush on her um and I we were chatting one night and I just it was the first time I thought I've got to tell someone that I I think this is a thing and um, so we were chatting one night, and I said, Look, I've never said this to anyone, but I feel like I can say it to you, and I could my hands were shaking. I could literally feel myself sitting having this conversation. Oh. And I was like, I think it wins girls. And she was like, "That's really cool. Excellent. It was such like a a non thing. I was like,, right. wow, this can be a non-thing. Like you can I can be married and really happy and also, be attracted to women and it's a non-event and that actually the not it being like this great big response from her really normalized something on a, a, a really uh, like visceral level for me like physically and I really felt this kind of landing of okay this is all right um and then I came back at home and I was thinking I, I would tell my husband straight away and we were at this point in this renovation um where we had no walls no ceilings um we hadn't had working problems. we were using buckets to flush like washing <laughs> in a sink like it was pretty grim at this point point. and he <laughs> we got in the car at the airport and he was like so I'd sorted all the house out so it's really nice for you to come back to and um he's like we did have one little problem Uh, while you're away and the bathroom ceiling fell down and I was like oh my god I he was like he said I literally sat on the floor and cried when it fell down because we'd been in just such like turmoil at this house like living in it working in it renovating it it was a lot with two children as well so bless him I was like I can't give him this other thing because I wasn't scared to tell him at all but I just didn't think I could layer another Thing on top of anyone's renovated a house they know how intense it can be and um and it got to it was about January time and and I'd been like searching the internet for anything that was like coming out late um so I was what was I like 38 at the time 38 39 yeah. Um, three years
0: ago
1: yeah yeah just in three years so yeah I I was like for me that's quite late I guess for someone to come out and I'm googling all of these like th- sentences to try and find anything that would give me someone to relate to someone to connect to some information of how to have these conversations like there was there was nothing scary for me about saying it, but I just needed some other people to relate to, and you know I didn't really know <laughs> any gay people at that particular time, other yeah. than I think we'd just met at that particular point. Um, yeah. Maybe yeah, I think it was around then. Um, I think it was
0: it was April two thousand and nineteen. It was Easter anyway. So yeah, yeah.
1: So yeah. not long after that, um, uh, but not long before that. So I just was trying to find people I could connect to, podcasts, et etc. And anyone that said like they were coming out late on these podcasts, they were still in their fucking 20s. And I'm like, you, you haven't got kids, you haven't got a husband, you haven't got all of these things.
0: I, I, I thought I was late at 23. And it, it's <laughs> so interesting that you're saying this because... That was, you know, almost twenty years ago when yeah. we, we well, all right, we had the internet, but it, 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 it's really interesting as you were talking. I was like, I had nobody to talk to either, and mainly because I was trying for so many years before that not to admit it to myself. So of course, I wasn't telling anybody. So mm. it, it, I, can, I, it, I can really resonate with you over this, even though well, I do really resonate with you, even though you did have those resources but what you're saying is even with all of those resources there was still nothing for your uh, a similar situation that you were in
1: no not at all um and it just so happened that a mutual friend of mine had another friend who um came out at a similar time to me and although they didn't have children they had been in a long-term relationship and um and I'm so grateful for the friendship that we formed as like um our mutual friend kind of connected us and we'd actually not liked each other particularly very much before that we we felt um very different f- from each other and okay. and so although we had this very close mutual friend um actually her putting us together was helpful and we started to send each other little resources and and so we now have this lovely friendship but kind of rewinding back to this time it got to January and I was like Do you know what I've just I've got to say something I cannot hold it in anymore and I don't want to either like it's a really um important part of me and I can't go back to this feeling like I'm not telling the truth about who I am um and so one night we well, actually it was one uh, Sunday morning we were having sex and I was like I've got to tell you something. And uh, I was like, like, women are really attractive, aren't they? And he was like, yeah. And then he just carried on. And I was like, okay. Um, And I just didn't say anything else. And we carried on having a nice time. And then on the Tuesday night, we were having a bath together. And I was like, so you know, I've been mentioning women a bit. Like, they're they're really attractive, aren't they? Something like that and he was like yeah but i could never see uh, see you with your head between another woman's legs and i was thinking really <laughs> <laughs> like this is all the only place my head is right now <laughs> <laughs> and then he was just like yeah and you, you could definitely never be like emotionally um involved with women I, I don't think because i i'd been actually although i was a really um sexual person i think i'd pushed down so much through actually a subconscious suppression of this and also the other things that had happened to me and um and I just tried to be this good girl for such a long time like the mother the wife and I would make homemade like sugar-free everything fun free food as I call it and um, <laughs> and tried to be this really wholesome person that it was all kind of wrapped up in in all of these different layers of stuff um mm. And so I think he was also a bit like, you know, just couldn't visualize it because he had seen me as this way for so long.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, anyway, fast forward, like the next Sunday, having sex again. <laughs> and um, I was like, I've got to tell you, like this thing with women, is an actual thing. I'm not straight. I've realized I'm not straight. And he was like, all oh, right, okay then. So what do you want to do about it?
0: Wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't
0: know what Hold I my head between telling. a woman's legs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but what I know is I need to tell you, and I don't know what this means for me. Like, I adore you. I love you. You're incredible. And I know that I'm really attracted to women and I don't want to have spent the, the rest of my life not being who I am and he was like okay so do you want to tell the children and I was like no I don't think so I just want this to be between us I don't want us to have a threesome um I just need to to tell you this for you to know and for me to kind of work everything else out in my mind and then we had gone to bed that night and for some reason I felt like um some like uh higher being put this uh two words in my head which were fetish club <laughs> and I'd never even heard of a fetish club before and I was like fuck's oh, a fetish club so I, I got naturally onto Instagram as you do and typed in fetish club and torture garden came up and I was like oh my god like this I mean, is what's
0: torture garden, <laughs> torture know, garden is to a, a kink you, but...
1: hub. so it's a place people go and they dress up with there's a strict fetish dress code um so you can't just go in and be in a t-shirt you have to wear latex or leather or straps or whatever your oh, okay. kink is and i was not aware at the time this is anything like particularly wrapped up with sexuality it was just Two words that came to my mind that I very basically typed into Instagram and I saw this um, torture garden page and I was like there was this like knowing like oh my god I need to explore this so I was like we need to go here can we go here please mm-hmm. and um, he hates nightclubs he hates loud <laughs> music um he's very much a quiet potter at home the occasional drink in a pub kind of guy and he was like yeah sure I was like, they've got a thing for Valentine's night. Do you fancy going? And he was like, okay, let's go. So we like found our outfits, which was really fun, getting dressed up together, and we decided to go. But with the basis that we wouldn't play with anyone, like people go here and they to the TG and they have sex. It's a, a, a you can do whatever you like there, basically. Okay. Um, we just went, just the two of us, just to liberate ourselves I guess um and see what it's like and we just had this amazing time together it was like we kind of uncovered this other layer of ourselves together and we we danced until half past four in the morning and we made a real weekend of it in London and and going there also enabled us to open up these different conversations um and start to explore what it would look like for me to fully own my sexuality as Um, If I was had to give a label, I would say I was queer. I don't really relate to bi and I wouldn't consider myself a lesbian. I don't really know where I fall on this spectrum, but all I know is that my love for him transcends any binary of gender and it's completely irrelevant Um, what he's got in his pants. He's just the most amazing human that I adore and he adores me.
0: Wow what a story already um, <laughs> okay lots of things were coming up for me as you were talking about that um, I guess a, a question perhaps for clarity um, I think for me too actually um, when when you use the term queer I hear that as uh, not being um not fitting into any of the other boxes uh so it's kind of a, a general term for not being uh like not prescribing to a particular sexuality is that is that correct
1: yeah I think so I don't really relate to, to anything sometimes I would say gay um but I think sometimes people also think that then you're like you would never go with a man or you would never go with them. yeah. Like um, I think that also is a term that's used slightly interchangeably now, um, but queer kind of I think gives people the broad- broadest spectrum of of any of the labels and means that I'm not putting myself in any particular box. I I feel quite fluid around things.
0: Okay, yeah, yeah, and that and that seems to work in the sense that your love for your husband is more important than him needing to be a man a woman you know any, anything else uh it's it's the essence of him and uh i mean i think his openness and absolute uh expression of deep love for you because he's willing to, to be open about what it is that you need in order to fully express who you are and be alongside you while you do that. Um, it's, it, it, that, that word openness feels like, you know, the, the, I've kind of got these two things that closed you down from who you were, you've been pushed down. So not even knowing that you had early, you know, prior to the rape even, let's say, not knowing, that you had these desires to be with mm. more than just a man. Um, then the rape shutting you down to all kinds of other feelings, sensations, desires. Um, and then when you had the uh, the intense healing, let's call it, following um, the pregnancy, it's almost like that cracked you open and and you started to get closer to who you really were but it's almost like you had to go through the stuff with the rape and find out you know what what was underneath all of that which then further opened you up kind of cracked you open again peeled off another layer of the onion to this um you know this wanting to explore more of yourself sexually and and that you just couldn't keep that inside any longer because I guess you'd experience the benefits of opening up to the impact of the rape on you and and how that had helped you understand in all kinds of other ways I mean it it was it shaped your career right when you started exploring that so um it's like once you've looked you kind of can't go back (laughs) yeah it
1: it was more than just the um the kind of the positive parts that made me realize it was actually looking back I realized how detrimental um and seriously detrimental hiding any aspect of who I was was uh-huh. um so any squashing um was just it felt I mean it sounds dramatic but It was like I was dying inside, you know, at any point that I couldn't just, you know, I was was an emotional kid and my dad found that uncomfortable, that I was emotional and um, I was always like the crier (laughs) and... I felt things so intensely, and I I just tried to push so many things in. And even I I saw this picture of um me the other day, and I don't have many pictures of me when I was young because I went through a stage where I really hated myself, and I um I cut every photo that existed that, that are up that I could get my hands on. Um, and someone shared this um, school photo on uh, Facebook, and and. I I was suddenly brought back to being in the school changing rooms and and thinking I mustn't look at anyone because like what if someone what if someone knows almost there was this like in the back of my mind it wasn't like I was aware that I was not straight but I was like I can't I can't look at anyone in the changing room whereas and I told my friend about this and she went most people are thinking I don't want anyone to look at me whereas I was thinking like I was just aware that I needed to you know so once I'm so you, were to op-
0: you were operating uh, with these desires and like subconsciously underneath the surface you know that your behavior was being shaped by them mm-hmm. but you didn't know why yeah wow so then the penny's going to drop I guess when you connect with the idea that this attraction's there and you're like oh okay that's why I was doing that then
1: Yeah and when I finally realised it I felt like I was um I was 15 again and it was a very much I felt like a 15 year old boy again very specifically um although I've obviously never been a 15 year old boy um in this lifetime anyway um so it was almost like regressing to this point. And I I wondered if 15 kind of came to mind because that was when the rape happened, but also Uh that was a point when almost like my childhood stopped. And so I've spent the last few years relearning actually who I am and what Uh what that looked like and and feel like.
0: So how, how on earth, do you do that while you are in a relationship with somebody who you've been in a relationship for like twenty years at this point? It sounded from what you described so far, you know it sounded idyllic the way that that you happened upon this realization and then you were able to quite easily talk, I mean, I know it took three times, but you know the process didn't seem that difficult. And then you know, you go to the fetish club and it's very liberating. It sounds a bit fairy tale here, but I, I'm guessing there were some difficulties along the way as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that helped us the most was the fact that I had had such an enormous breakdown back in 2010, um, that I'd, I also because of the things that came up around my mental health at that time. was diagnosed with bipolar 2 and OCD um, complex PTSD Um, we had had to learn to have really difficult conversations and we had this deal with each other that it doesn't matter how ugly something is we say it and we learned to have conversations that were hard but with love and and compassion and so I was never scared of his reaction or or anything like that. Um and so throughout, I mean, at that point, um after going to the fetish club, I was like, I think I need to do something with this. Like I need to somehow learn how I integrate this into our our life. It's not just my life, our life, um, in a way that feels right. And so um after discussing it we decided that I would put myself out on a dating app I've never been on a dating app I've not been on a date (laughs) in over 20 years um so it was a little bit scary and yeah I just I started to to date women um and it didn't you know it didn't feel unnatural it felt exactly as it should and we have this deal that I would be completely open and honest with him about everything and he would be open and honest with me but it would never be at the expense of someone I was dating so for example um, when I was in a relationship I would never come home and tell him all of the details of what happened between us and give him the okay. full lowdown of the, the sex or, or anything like that it was He wants to know where I am. He wants to know that I'm safe, that I'm on my way home, that I'm okay. And I wanna know the same from him. Um, And beyond that, we respect the fact that there's another person that's a human being involved um, that also has their own boundaries around what is or isn't discussed. Um, And he never, a lot of people say to me, oh, well, you know surely what what does he get out of it like if you're not having a threesome like surely he he wants to know the details and he needs to get off on it in some way but actually that okay. isn't what open relating is about necessarily um everyone's uh, relationship with open relating and the different types of relationships they have are going to be different dynamics but um for us it feels not very respectful to come home and, and tell him everything So um, there's this word I discovered called compersion and it basically means he's just really happy for me to be really happy. And his Uh happiness comes from that. And I feel the same about him, although he is monogamous and I am non-monogamous.
0: Okay, I was going to ask you this question (laughs) and how that might work. I mean, there's something that's coming up for me there about the fact that everything doesn't have to be equal. Uh, in terms of you know who you know if if you, if if you go and meet somebody, then he has to before you can go for your next one and all of this very yeah. kind of uh, binary, I suppose you know one mm-hmm. for one, one for the other um, so to hear that that he is monogamous and you 're know, non monogamous i I can imagine i mean just thinking of my own relationship i don 't know if that would work for us based on on where we are, and I can imagine a lot of the listeners might might think the same might might think and feel the same so how how does that come about for you I'm I'm guessing it was a discussion
1: yeah he he just said you know I I don't want to be with anyone else other than you you're all I need I I don't want to touch anyone else I don't want to be with anyone else and I having then started to have experiences when I was liberating my sexuality and also all of these kind of constraints that we're conditioned to believe are ways things should be, I wanted him to know that should he wish to explore his sexuality too, then that is an option, you know? There are ways Uh that we would go about that and discussions to be had, but I didn't ever want him to think that he couldn't, but the fact is that he doesn't want to, and we don't have this tit for tat thing and I think there is a lot of tit for tat in relationships even if it comes down to who took the bins out last and who cleaned the bathroom last if you're having a relationship based on who did what you know it's going to cause so much conflict and I know this is a very large subject so to say or oh, you know tit for tat oh. is not cool but it's, it's just really damaging to relationships and and actually it doesn't need to be balanced all the time for it to, to be healthy and um I think there's something it's probably for another deeper conversation I'm not sure I even have the words for it today but there's something beneath that that if there is that tit for tat and relationships whether it's household chores or anything else like why um, and yeah. how can we look at that and break it down so that we're not carrying this kind of resentment in some ways and and I guess part of this journey of open relating is really unlearning a whole ton of stuff yeah. is a lot of unlearning and awareness and and noticing and it's not all say you know smooth sailing at all mm-hmm. um and you know that there was a time where I completely fell for someone and um she was uh, narcissistic um damaging um I experienced a whole kind of relapse in uh trauma that I thought was related to the rape which made me then think maybe I'm gay maybe I don't ever want to be with a man again but actually okay I soon realized that actually it was nothing to do with that. It was just my body only knew this way of processing and my brain only knew this one thing. And I'd never also experienced being in a narcissistic relationship before. So it took me some time to get the pieces together and work it out. Um, And for us, that was our our biggest lesson um, of how to get through something where we're both hurting and, we both adore each other and love each other but me having to work out you know what did that mean for us like if I Definitely. couldn't come back to being sexual with him we'd always had you know a, a good intimate relationship like what did that mean and actually what it, what it meant was that I needed to end things with the woman I was seeing um and soon my body re-regulated itself and I realized that actually that it doesn't matter what gender he is. Like mm-hmm. I love him more than I will ever ever love anyone. Um, and and for some people, polyamory um isn't like that. They can love people equally. We've got 23 years of mm-hmm. yeah. going through thick and thin um together and loving each other profoundly that there will never be anything that will match to that. Um, so yeah, it's not always smooth sailing. There can be difficult lessons, but the most important thing was that throughout that period of time when things were different, difficult, and we were working through that kind of relapse of trauma again although from a different place, um, we moved through it with such love and compassion and kindness for each other. There was never a single crossword we just loved each other through it until it became clear. Um, and yeah.
0: Goodness. That was in those in in those really difficult times. You practiced harder than ever. The love, the compassion, the patience—all mm-hmm. of those things—and it 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 appears to me that that actually is what deepens you two's connection and ability to withstand um you know really really difficult stuff you know I mean yeah you, you having a relapse of your trauma as a consequence of a relationship outside of the one that you're having and yet he is the one that's there supporting you through all of that once again you know and in a, in a different context and it says so much to me about your husband that you know he would he would be alongside you in different circumstances but going through some of the similar stuff that that you did 10, 10 years ago or something yeah. like that yeah
1: say so like 2010 so yeah,
0: yeah 12, 12 years ago and th- that actually it was that process 12 years ago 12 13 years ago that provided the the groundwork for you to build this resilience that your relationship has for him to be so much more open to you and, and accommodating to you trying to be who you really were because of the experience that he had supporting you through when I guess you were also finding out who you were then underneath all of what you were holding regarding the rape and so it's almost like the context isn't as important as the this compersion, you know, this just wanting, you know, being happy for you being happy, and it's it's making me think about the phrase, you know, if you love somebody, let them go or let them be, mm. and it it really feels that that's speaking really loudly to me now, and almost that he is given a gift through doing that for you you know he 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 gains not that it's a giving and receiving thing but he you know he receives so much from his investment in his attitude of compersion towards you that he doesn't need anybody else it's almost like he gets more love uh, he receives more love because of how much he gives you mm-hmm. he lets you go he lets you be he he's, he, he encourages you to be who you are no matter what that looks like
1: yeah like and he does really encourage me like sometimes when I'm like oh you know I don't know if I want to do this right now and he's like you have got too much love to give you're too much of a free bed you're too beautiful to put yourself in this little cage like you need to go and do your thing stop being a coward
0: (laughs) Uh Um, too much but too much and I love you for that not too much and you know uh, cover you cover cover that up you know your 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 light shines brightly and I love that shine it more versus maybe earlier on in life you know actually you're shining a bit too brightly for me let's dim this down a bit yeah
1: yeah and you know he, he is amazing and he's also had to do his own work you know that didn't come naturally for him to find this way of being um yeah he's he's done a lot of work on his on vulnerability which he likens to someone ripping out his heart and throwing it in the road and watching it dry uh, being driven over by the cars because just in yeah. you know the way that he was brought up he his um attachment style is quite um well, oh, the word's gone now uh you know when you take yourself away what's that one um
0: avoidant yeah avoidant sorry
1: my words are not in my brain today so yeah he hasn't had an avoidant attachment style and mine was anxious so for us to be able to to really land together we've we've kind of unknotted lots of things and then created our own little you know um secure connection um and also he has I mean, he was literally just before we met, I met him when he just came out of hospital. He was buried underground um, and he was crushed and they don't know how he survived, let alone is able to walk. We nearly didn't have children. They said we'd have to adopt. Um, and th- for him, he said nearly dying completely changed his perspective on life. Um, and also he's, he was brought up. He's one of six children um all but one were well not all but one he had a sister and he's also got a, a transgender sister um okay. so but he, the the environment that they were born up uh, born brought up in was very masculine his dad was a trucker he was with all the lads that would go out drinking and fighting and he was proper laddie you know he's uh-huh. had also unlearn. A lot of this conditioning um, around what masculinity is and what it means to be a man in a relationship, and um, so uh, what pisses me off is when people say, "Oh, you're really lucky," or "Or oh, you're lucky he lets you do this."
0: You I know? can imagine the listeners will be thinking, oh,
1: this. "Yeah," and and he is a fucking hero. Like he really is. Like you <laughs> know, is like this gigantic, you know um and at the same time I don't belong to him you know I'm with him because I want to be with him I couldn't be with um someone that tried to keep me in a cage in any sense of the word I've been an entrepreneur the whole life I could never go and uh work work somewhere where I was told what to do so he and he's very much like he loves being employed he loves the the kind of going to work and knowing all, all of that stability and, So yeah. I literally came in and blew up his <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
1: <laughs> in in the best way. And also I, again I don't belong to him. I respect him enormously and I love him enormously um, but never tell me that I'm lucky. I am grateful, massively grateful to have chosen a man. That I could see would support me in who I am. It was a conscious decision <laughs> I married him, and it's every wow. every step of our twenty three years together has been uh, sometimes conscious or unconscious, but of learning how to create awareness around our behaviors to create co create a life that brings both of us a lot of joy and and happiness and also creating a life where our children see that love doesn't have to be one way you know my kids now know yeah. that I'm not straight they don't know that we open relate um right now they're only coming up for 16 and 13 and it, it's too early um I, as far as I'm aware they don't know that anyway um they're banned from all of my social media all uh-huh. of my family's banned from me <laughs> so um but you know, at one point, it will be the right time, you know, who's to say that we'll open relate forever, we could decide in a year's time that actually, we want to be monogamous again, it doesn't have to be one way or another, but you know, I want my kids to grow up in a a world where they're accepted and loved for exactly who they are without the need to be anything else, so we try and um, embody that through every aspect of our living and consciously do it.
0: And I was I was going to ask you about your children and how they uh, you know how you had that conversation with them. I know you'd said earlier on that they they didn't know and then and, and now they do. So mm-hmm. um, how, how how was that for you and and for them? If you don't, mind I wasn't asking.
1: quite ready for it actually. Um, we were out walking in the fields behind our house, and we we're in the um, there's like a beautiful vineyard and hop garden. And uh, it was this lovely sunny afternoon and the sun was going down. And I was walking, holding my daughter's hand and she went, I'm going to bring my wife here one day, mummy. And I was like, oh, OK, because I'm a lesbian, you know. And I was like, OK, then you can be whatever you want to be, darling. Like, and if you want to be straight, you can be straight. And um, and she was like, I'm definitely going to bring her here. It's so lovely. And I was like, OK, so she's just told us where she's at. That's fine um and so we just really supported her in in that you know she wants pride flags up in her bedroom she can have them and we have like uh, you know very uh the, you know the fact that um Darren's sister is a trans woman she came to the wedding and that was a great example of them seeing all of the different ways that people can be and um and exist in the world and so they had this uh, pride thing at school. They were doing a pride walk. And she was like, mommy, can you get me some things for the pride? I really want to have a pride flag and some badges. And I was like, okay, cool. I can, I can do that for you. So I brought her a pride flag and a little LBGTQ badge. And I brought Darren an Ali badge. And when they turned up, um, we're, the three of us were in the kitchen and Darren was outside. And she opened them up and she was like, Who's this for then? And I was like, "Well, this is for Daddy, and this is for you." And she went, "You haven't got a badge, Mummy. Where where do you stand in this? Are you in the community, or are you an ally?" And I was like, "Oh fuck, I don't know what to say now." Toby is sitting with his back to me. Darren's outside. I didn't have the chance to ask his like consent to have this conversation with her. And I just I didn't feel like I'd say, "Hold on a minute, I'm just going to pop outside and have a discussion." <laughs> um, and I just said to her. Do you want to have, like, do you want the honest answer? And she said, yeah, I do. And I was like, okay, then I said, well, I'm in the community. And she was like, all right, so what are you then? And I was like, well, if I had to give myself a label, I would say that I'm queer, but that, you know, I'm married to daddy and we're really happy. And she went, oh, cool. And she fist pumped me and that was it. She walked off with her bits. And uh, I said to Toby, you okay? did you hear that conversation he, went, mm-hmm. <laughs> he was just like headphones on being teenage boy. like he doesn't do lots of emotion and he's very very private um and and that was it I went outside and I told Darren shit <laughs> Naya just asked me this and I had to give her like the straight answer and he was like oh we could have had the conversation first and I was like it just unfolded how it unfolded and and I yeah. didn't feel like I could like, like I, that it was right to like not tell the truth or to delay her like yeah. she was stood there in front of me asking me a straight question and I wanted to demonstrate that openness and he was like it's cool as long as she's okay that's all that matters um and so yeah that that was it and she's not really asked anything ever since other than recently um someone stayed at our house um when I had an event and we'd put a couple of people up and that were facilitating for me and uh and Darren let slip that I had a crush on one of them <laughs> and she keeps teasing me about it um, <laughs> but that's it it seems to be like completely um you know and I'm sure at some point there'll maybe be difficult conversations to have around that and, and maybe they won't be so difficult but we just trust that if there's a, if there is a time when we need to be more open about anything else, which isn't right now. I want them to be a little bit older personally. Um, then it will happen when it happens, you know.
0: Wow. Well, I think that's a product of some of the great work that's been done over many years, but particularly in the last, you know, couple of decades, let's say, since you and I were. We're growing up um, around LGBTQ awareness and uh, the presence and 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 people becoming more accepting. I think that that has come a long way. I am interested to know if the fact that uh, monogamy, ethical non-monogamy, um, open relating, poly, you know this is kind of coming up now in in the public consciousness mm-hmm. uh, probably a bit behind the lgbtq um, awareness and i'm wondering if the, the relationship between that and 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 how you know your your daughter obviously being aware and it being very much part of a life even you know with trans and uh that made that easier because that openness was there like the openness with your husband around the need for you to be you um so perhaps he was more set up for the the needs to to introduce the open relating um but maybe your daughter not having as much of the open relating poly stuff around her maybe that's partly why it was more difficult to have the conversation it has been more difficult i don't know i'm, I'm asking yeah, the question. i
1: mean the the thing is the last few years have been just really difficult anyway. You know, obviously, we've, well, all this was going on and kind of birthing its way to us, we had COVID. Um, uh-huh. And that had its own challenges for me, um, for our family, like um, differences in perspectives on things, the emotional challenges the children had not being at school and then having to go back to school the start mm-hmm. of GCSEs like there were so many different layers yeah um and it's not like we're, we're kind of we made the decision to not consciously hide things so if we're having a conversation about some a situation like, I don't know if I'm dating someone for example um we would just talk about it as if it's a non-event mm-hmm. but not In, we'd not like hide it or you know like Darren let slip that I had a a crush on this this yeah and um and I took the piss and and so just trying not to really we're not having the conversation if we didn't have the conversation before and we're not having it now but also not hiding it and just trusting (laughs) just trusting that that if it needs Uh. to come up it, it will but um, i hope I hope that um, there are more young people that are polyamorous now or open uh-huh. Um I heard um Willow Smith, they did a red table talk where it came up in that. So I do wonder if maybe it's gonna filter down. Um yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um I've kind of not allowed it to take up too much space there has been too much other stuff going on really um, well
0: and, and and I guess there's there's addressing things in an age-appropriate manner absolutely. but there's also addressing things in a person-appropriate manner and that's yeah. not it's not about hiding it but it's about as their parents being able to judge what capacity they've got for 100%. you know you and can't throw think, everything at them
1: yeah whereas I think my youngest would actually be like okay cool whatever as long as just You love daddy and, you know, all of that jazz. Whereas I think my oldest would receive it entirely differently and it would be um, difficult for him. So I'm just not going to put him in that place until we're maybe another couple of years down the line and if it needs to come up, you know. Um, I don't know where this goes in in the future. Um, It's not the dating, it's not easy at the best of times from what I've heard from single people. Um, So and end dating in this way um, brings up other, you know, other uh, challenges. So it may be that at some point there is someone is what is important to me is that people that come into my life will, will contribute to my life and to my family um, through me being happy and opening myself and not take me away whereas yeah. the relationship I was in before there was very much this kind of game playing and wanting to to take me away um
0: the the narcissist with the, the the person who you described as a narcissist yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. and um and still you know that I'm very caught very very cautious now I, I don't rush into anything um because I still feel the, the, the kind of residue of that very traumatic time, um, in my body, because it was so difficult. And, um, I never want to, when I say taken away, like emotionally, mentally, physically, in, in all of the ways that we, we exist. Um, so yeah. And any time that I have away from my husband and my family is, um, has to be massively respected and um is is very precious being with them so yeah. they there, i will never ever um jeopardize having that time away from them um when it's it's not right Do you know what i mean does, does, yeah. am i making sense you know and yeah absolutely time i have the with them it is everything so for for anyone to be in my life in any capacity um there has to be a lot of, of thought that goes into that and um yeah i won't be compromising my 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 life <laughs> for anyone
0: yeah it it sounds like a an and both thing you You will explore and you will move between different places or in whatever context that might be relevant. However, the constant is that your love for your family is above all of that, and that's kind of the the, the, the overriding guiding principle, but you can still explore within that
1: yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, everyone does open relating and polyamory, um, and and differently. You know, there's such a wide spectrum from from swingers clubs and fetish clubs, and mm-hmm. um, to people that are solo poly people, so they have no um, primary partner. So there's lots yeah. of they they're all equal. Whereas for me, it will never be like that because my way of doing it, this is, is they come first before everything. Um, So yeah, it's interesting. It's a constant learning, constant navigation and uh, certainly holds a mirror up to to the areas that you need to to explore and heal and grow, (laughs) learn to communicate better.
0: Well, and... I think um, we'll we'll take a little break here for a moment, and and I'd like to return just to explore beyond that in terms of the work that you do and how that has helped you. And we, we've touched upon that a, a little, but also how your work has been influenced by this experience. And I also wondered um, extending it out beyond the 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 kind of the, the, the very loving and. Uh, liberated family unit that you have immediately and wondering how some of these experiences have impacted you in your wider relationships so maybe other family and friends and and and, and within your work sphere so would that be okay if we talked sure. about that when we came back
1: yeah absolutely absolutely Fantastic.
0: well isn't nikki just fab lover Just a short break here and I thought I would let you know that I finally decided on what to do about my couple slash partner slash relationship yoga class. And this class is going to be called Yoga to Connect. So it will be for you to bring anybody that's important in your life that you would like to form a different and or deeper connection with using the practice of yoga, breath work, communication skills. We will learn to be with each other in different ways and see if we can bring some of those practices off the mat into your wider life. So these classes are going to be from 10am until 12 noon on Sunday mornings starting from Sunday the 6th of November. The charge will be £25 per couple per session or £100 for five sessions and that's a cost per couple. So if you're interested it will be at the Health Barn which is at Askham near Penrith and you can just send me an email at martinblacklock.com to join. Hope to see you there. Okay, so welcome back for part two, Nikki. And um, we have heard so far about how you've explored your journey through the the rape that that you unfortunately uh, went through when you were younger, and how that started to reveal to you who you really are. And as as, as part of that ongoing journey back to yourself um we've talked about your journey with your sexuality and how that's impacted your relationship indeed how your relationship with your husband has allowed you to to uh continue to explore further who you are and uh i i feel very much that what we're talking about here the context of your um trauma and all of the 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 struggles that you went through with that and and the, the struggles that you and your husband have navigated as part of you you exploring your sexuality actually these are these it's almost like the context doesn't matter as much as the fact that you two both remained committed to supporting each other through what what you needed to support each other through and that the love and the, the the principles that you consider to, to be uh, what that love represents is, is key. That overrides everything. And mm-hmm. you find a way through that. Um, and it seems to have created a very open and, uh, you know, liberated home for you and your children. Um, and probably not that typical of the... British male, female two children <laughs> family unit <laughs> and I'm absolutely delighted it works for you and it helps you all be as uniquely uh, each of you as as you are and I'm wondering if you could let us know a bit more about how that has been that you know all of this has been received or some of it's been received by maybe you know less immediate family or friends and, and and in your work life just to see how this openness has been received by the rest of your world your community mm-hmm.
1: okay so I'm gonna take a breath for this find my most tactile um tactile my most uh what's the word
0: tactful
1: tactful, tactful. that's it <laughs> let's
0: make we'll it go with that and
1: tactile. <laughs> not the same word
0: <laughs>
1: um, Yeah, so it's been, I've been really um, amazed by some of my friends. Um, Last year when things were really hard, I did, I was aware of um, some shame and embarrassment that I had around some of my friends knowing um some of these these things like it was literally like there there was no containing any of of the experience um because I was I was struggling with this so much you know, if, if I ended up that I was indeed completely gay and couldn't move past that then what did that mean and it was just heart-wrenchingly painful and I am just so grateful to the friends that have supported both of us, okay. um, from far <laughs> from Australia to to friends that live like round the corner. Um, uh, I I I think I underestimated that the love that they had for us, and and I'm really grateful to to have been able to to see that how accepting and loving that they are and um, so that was really humbling um, there have been other places that have been more challenging um, some places with work have been challenging um, I've walked away from from things I think my tolerance for people not seeing subconscious prejudice is very low um and this whole journey has brought an awareness of where where we need to change our language how can we be more inclusive um and I just I cannot align myself with anywhere that isn't completely inclusive and that doesn't see all of all of the stuff you know um it's not very articulate way of putting it but I absolutely have um, loved and cherished all of the places that I've worked and the journey that has got me to this point. And I also have learned the places where I've had to make tough decisions to to move on Um, from things that don't align and people that don't align. Um, And that's hard, you know, those decisions aren't taken lightly. Um uh and at the same time it's become very easy. The more I am myself, the more I, I love that saying, the more I'm myself, the more persi- um, permission it gives other people to be themselves. And also the more I'm myself, the clearer I see where things don't align. And so I very much trust the 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 journey of becoming and and peeling back the layers, and I trust that as long as I always act in complete alignment and from love for the people in my life, even if they're people I can need to love from afar, um, and that it will all work out okay. So there are things that I've stepped away from Um, and there's been difficult conversations that have had to be had Um, but ultimately um, the people that really really love you will will be there in some capacity (laughs) Um, and the people that aren't meant to be in your life anymore will will naturally fall away when you're vibrating in the place that you need to be vibrating (laughs) um and and doing the work that you need to do and 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 most I think most importantly just really accepting like it, probably the hardest thing out of having to let things go was accepting that I'm just not that that person I was and 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 honoring who I am now without the need to just try and control everything and hold on to everything does that make sense or is that complete waffle?
0: No, it, it does, it does. I all I kept um, referring back to and well, all my mind kept referring me back to when you were talking there was about how leading up to your breakdown, that's what you were doing then. You were having to control, you were having to shut yourself down, you were having to not pay attention to some of the sensations that were arising from within you, thoughts, emotions physical sensations. And so I can imagine for you that you will be reminded of the trauma associated with what happened to you and how that felt in your body and your mind and your emotions every time that you are required to shut down from who you really are for the comfort of other people. And 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 so it's, it's a bit like how you and your husband recognize together and you know the joy that comes with that 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 acceptance of okay well we know how painful it is for you and where you can end up and that we nearly lost you because you were shut down from who you were for so long so I'm if I'm going to love you I have to be open to who you are and you know what that's difficult for me but if I want to love you I'm gonna have to catch up and I'm gonna have to recognize what you're triggering in me in order to be alongside you and Some people aren't ready to do that work and and that's okay. You know, if if people are fortunate, you know, fortunate in air quotes, enough to have not been through anything that has made them question who they are, I guess they're not going to be the kind of people that are going to have an easy relationship with you when you have to be who you are because you know how painful it is not to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like you put that, really well in that I, ju- I just cannot be anything than what i am and and i've got two kids and a husband that need me firing on all cylinders, and they need me to be happy and healthy and i'm just not prepared to compromise and and shut any parts of those down for anyone else's comfort because if we're meant to be in each other's lives then we'll be in each other's lives and it doesn't mean that if there's any any shade on any of any of the the things and people and places that have fallen away. It just means for for me to be happy and to do the work and be in service and truly be in service, especially with the work that I do, I cannot, <laughs> I cannot like hide away and pretend to be um you know a neat little square that fits inside a little box. Like. I'm a multicolored hexagonal that absolutely doesn't fit in any, in any
0: box. <laughs> and, square, and, round, and it's, I, t- I don't
1: say that because, like, it's not easy to to have to be that. Like, I desperately wanted to be a square box.
0: <laughs> like, there were times I
1: really, really wanted to be that, and it's so exhausting. Um, and actually. <laughs> I'm just not happy when I'm trying to be that even like um I did a a little bit of a wardrobe detox because part of this was I spent a long time in just wearing gym clothes and like Uh hoodies and leggings and it was like a um part of it I think it was a protection thing I also I don't really align with being very girly um and that has been another part of this that I've been really mulling over like what does it mean to be in my masculine and when I'm with women I feel sometimes very masculine and I really enjoy that and that reflects in things that sometimes but yeah even down to clothes And I was packing away my summer things um on the weekend and I realized there was a whole load of clothes that I'd brought at the beginning of this journey when it was like the first step into kind of unlayering Um, and I was like wow you were still trying to be something else then like that could go (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's interesting
0: something that stood out for me there was actually even when you um again the context maybe not being as relevant as the way in which you're living your life and being with yourself is to is when you got into that relationship that was outside of your marriage and the person you know was was um was struggling and 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 uh behaved in that you know that narcissistic way actually there was a lot of feelings going on there that were similar to requiring you so you were being in a uh, you are in a non-monogamous relationship with a person that is outside of your marriage so this very kind of open context and yet you felt like you couldn't be yourself because she wanted you to come away from being who you are which was a wife and a mother and 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 didn't accept you for being who you were in that very open context you know so it it's so interesting
1: and yeah I feel really I do feel bad using the word narcissist because you know in any relationship there are two people contributing to that and um I've spoken to people that like no this is this is narcissistic behavior um she knew what the situation was when we first started seeing each other and um things unfolded how however how they did. I do remember like at one point um we were going to a pride event and she said uh what are you gonna wear so I, I jokingly was like well I'm gonna wear this like glittery bikini and sparkly hot pants and chunky boots and she was like mm-hmm. uh babe I think you need to wear a t-shirt and jeans because you know it's gonna be cold and I was like it's the middle of summer um and it turned out she didn't want her friends to see me in this like certain way she was trying to get me to I remember telling my husband he was like what like she can't tell you what to wear Um, and I jokingly sent her a picture of um like a a full-on like outfit which was completely like covered everything and then I was like I'm gonna wear this actually and she was like haha but there was something underneath there but do you know what despite that relationship being damaging in some ways and and really very very difficult and took me to the point where um you know I I did consider hurting my well I did actually take a knife to my wrist one day and it wasn't because I wanted to commit suicide I just had all of these emotions in me that I didn't know what to do with and I'd never cutting before as a self-harm thing but I was just like I didn't know how it felt like I was an overinflated balloon with all of these feelings I was trying to make sense of and I needed to just release some of that pressure um I I had actually rung the Samaritans four times that week and not had one person answer the phone um but it was thankfully my amazing friends and my husband that had like were just being they were just great and but what i did realize in that first relationship was i actually fell in love with myself for the first time so as much as i had feelings for her what actually was the kind of the most the the deepest feelings were i saw myself in a way i'd never been able to experience myself before and i actually fell in love with myself because i was able to you know, it was like coming home.
0: Yeah,
1: But it was, it was, it partly was to do with her, but she probably could have been any any person that I liked in uh-huh. some ways. But the experience yeah. was that actually I got to know me. I was al- allowing myself to be fully myself. I walked down the road holding her hand and I'd kiss her in public. Yeah. And we'd, you know, do those things. And actually... It was, all, it was all about me um in the like most at least narcissistic uh way but you just when you allow yourself to be really yourself and try and, and try and let go of all of these other things that we're told we should and shouldn't be that mm-hmm. actually you, you that's the place that you can find love and compassion for yourself and it's very easy to say oh, you, need, you love yourself and self-care it's not baths and and face masks it it's actually learning to accept ourselves for who we are Mm -hmm. and and to love yourself even in in your most like shadowy aspects like we can't especially in your most shadowy aspects we can't be all love and light that's bullshit i can't stand that about the spiritual world and this kind of um good vibes only it's absolute nonsense if you can love yourself when you're being biggest like I don't know when you're seeing all of the your bad points like not your bad
0: all that shadow but
1: all of the shadow and all of the the words that come into that like actually you know that that was where I found love for myself um and it was if it wasn't for that relationship I, I wouldn't have found that that love and that understanding for who i am and 100 like you said earlier without going to the the hardest places in relationships and actually coming through the other side we don't ever discover the true depth of love that there is and is possible between two or more people (laughs) to be politically correct but not politically correct but inclusive
0: Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah, and, and you know what's so interesting, um, just to finish off this section before we talk a bit more about your work, um, I am hearing so much of what you're talking about there that so many of my clients who have had um, non-ethical, uh, non-monogamy you know, affairs for, for want of a better expression, and so often that is about having a relationship with another person who allows them to express more of who they are at the point that they felt like they didn't know who they were anymore in that relationship, you know, in the uh, monogamous relationship that they were in, that was very rigid, non um, free, you know, all of the things that are kind of anathema to what you described about yours and, and your husband's relationship. And it creates this, this kind of uh, cage that you talked about earlier on. And the needs, the needs will find their way, the the stuff that's going on inside the cage will find its way out. And it's gonna happen anyway, whether it's done with respect and love and compassion for the other person or not, it's gonna happen anyway. And I'm reminded, and and you know, people do fall in love with themselves again through, through the narrative of an affair. Um, And actually, some couples can survive that because they bring back that person who they fell in love with again back to the relationship. Mm -hmm. You did that. Um, And many don't make it because of all of the idea of possession and your mind. And again, you know, the things that are anathema to how you and your husband view each other in your relationship. And there's a really, I'll put a link in the show notes, actually, uh, to the quite well-known Esther Perel talk on why people have affairs. Mm. And it's all about this stuff that you're talking about there. And, you know, it's not about saying if, if two people in a relationship aren't both happy with the arrangements that each one needs, that you go and do it anyway. And just because you've said it, it's fine. But you, you, you've got to do the hard work. And I'm... Um, and it can really be worth it you know and 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 I think you're uh, a beautiful example uh, in every single way um, of of how if you put in that hard work to be yourself and you have somebody alongside you or some people alongside you that have the capacity to do that work themselves, mm-hmm. that openness, that expansive view of the world, that inclusivity, it can create something kind of beyond your wildest dreams
1: mm-hmm. yeah
0: and you, absolutely. You can have, have
1: it I said to my friend the other day I I literally feel like I'm living the greatest love story of all time like that's how I feel in our marriage um and if tomorrow he says I'm not cool with this anymore I still feel that way you know um and I do also wonder you know I never ever would push my my views and the way we choose to live on anyone at all you know everyone has to do what's right for them um and we'll talk about, more in a minute about my work and how i work but, um it's not it, it's about people finding their own wisdom of what's right for them but i do wonder with the statistics around affairs and monogamy and non-ethical <laughs> um uh monogamy that actually I wonder if if we really looked at monogamy and we really looked at our relationships and and what we wanted and we just allowed ourselves equally between those two people to to just in our minds explore what what would we want how do we want to live like if we just started to question this I wonder how many people would want to be monogamous and and how that communication more importantly would change to deepen so even if you were just if even if he had said to me I don't want you to do something just that like you don't have to be out to be valid and and any of the lbgtQ letters you don't you don't have to be in a, a same-sex relationship to be a valid member of the lbgtQ community but being honest with yourself and honest with your partners about what you want from life and who you are you know that's massive it's transformational
0: not just from uh from sexuality from from gender but you know even somebody that you know wants wants to start a yoga class yeah that might have come from a particularly religious background let's say you know and and how they could feel shut down in this strange new world that they're inhabiting and i see that you know that definitely um even somebody that wants to seek counseling and the other partner is why would you want to do that you know why would you want to go yeah. and talk about things yeah it's about That's having a big that-
1: one right there's so many people that um, one person wants to go to therapy and the other person doesn't mm-hmm. but how without two people coming to to that relationship and wanting to work on it you're never going to get those those depths you're just going to be avoiding the elephant
0: in the room yeah and and it will find a way in the end probably through people's you know mental ill health physical illness whatever you know you know what it's like to, to to keep yourself in that cage and i wonder how many people are doing that in all of the different ways you know it, whatever that may be they want to do a different job yeah. they 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 want to be a parent but they're not a parent yeah. they they want to spend more time with friends they don't you know it's it, it, it's so important and that i suppose leads on quite nicely to to some of the work that you do because uh how would you describe uh w- w- your career
1: <laughs> <laughs> my career i mean ultimately i'm an entrepreneur um i come from a line of entrepreneurs <laughs> um i think it was in my my you know dna to to look at ways that i can support my family outside of the kind of 9 to 5 um i'd be the most terrible employee honestly no one would ever want I to hide me <laughs> <laughs> um I like my freedom freedom is my my core value um and that has to go in every way but I mean my my working title for my coaching work is somatic sexologist and sexological body worker mm. um and they have um other things that interconnect with that so um I've uh, got a company called Sacred events which was born out of it was kind of a, a very natural... Progress from doing an event called Pleasure Fest, which was a three day conscious sexuality festival. Um, And so uh, holding events for people to explore consent, boundaries, sexuality, um, sexual liberation, non sexual liberation, but body positivity and sex positivity. So for Pleasure Fest, for example, was um, a three-day festival where we had um workshops on um consent, communication, um Shibari, we had um erotic life drawing, which had the most profound effects on people, like be just one of the biggest things that um is like the a key to liberation is to be witnessed. So part part of this conversation we've had today, allowing yourself to be seen for who you are, um. And and the the erotic life drawing was amazing, the feedback from that, but lots of different workshops that allows people to tap into the kind of the, the deeper, more learning aspects from communication and consent to the more fun, central um kind of Shibari is a, a rope bondage. It comes from Japan, but uh, people yeah. teaching how to tie to um conscious kink so how to um explore bdsm in a really conscious um way where we're really talking about communication and consent and boundaries to naked body painting rolling around the garden like hot tubs we have it all um so we're we're running events that will go throughout the year from um different workshops and one nights to retreats and where people can explore every aspect of themselves and their their sexuality in a really safe way where consent there's something called the wheel of consent which I recommend for any therapist um, or any practitioner of any kind of body work or therapy to to look into the wheel of consent and it basically teaches people how to communicate so the base of all of my work my one-to-one coaching As well, I basically teach people how to communicate with themselves, how to understand their desires and their needs and then how to connect their body and find the wisdom in their body. So we like where are we suppressing ourselves? Where do we have desires? Where are we shutting parts of our body down through shame or through trauma that we've experienced? Um, So it could be just um, talking sessions, going through body scanning um there's a whole massive toolbox of talking therapies that you can use with somatic sexology to help people come from where they are whatever they're, they're experiencing now to ultimately where they want to be and then there's the bodywork aspect which uses um hands-on body work to help people understand um their likes and dislikes and also helping release trauma um for example trying to think of a way to explain it um vaginal mapping so for a lot of um people we don't even understand our basic anatomy so what Mm -hmm. what are our body parts and and what do they feel like when we touch them in a non-sexual way so for example I might place my hands or get clients place their hands on one point of their vulva which they would choose and be like okay so what's but just for anyone that's listening because i'm showing something to the camera just literally placing two fingers on the top of my hand and imagining it's a vulva and literally talking through um what's it like to touch that part of your body just keeping the finger still what do you notice about touching there and what's it like to notice mm-hmm. that um, and you're basically helping people to rewire their neural pathways. So when we've had traumatic births or experienced sexual trauma, parts of our body shut down. So we can experience numbness or pain, um, changes in sensation. And how can we um, allow those parts to to come back online and to yeah. be able to feel pleasure from them again, or not feel pain at all? Um, so there's different ways um, another tool is bossy massage which it helps people to um, to, to ask for what they want so one of the the biggest tr- struggles people have in communicating their sexual desires is they don't want to ask for them so one of the tools is bossy massage so rather than if you were to go to, for, for a massage and you just lay there and the masseuse just does what they're doing and they get on with it the client asks I would like you to massage my right arm for three minutes in a circular motion using medium pressure and I would go okay what does medium pressure feel like to you and how big is the circle and is that circle big enough and so teaching people how to ask and that can be done through body work and it can also be done through zoom sessions you know so it's it's very very diverse um yeah and various other projects
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's so wonderful to hear that everything that you have been through and found the tools that helped you um both individually and in your relationship and, and and in other relationships not just your you know your most intimate ones um that you're using the body you're using communication mm-hmm. uh other aspects of who we are to help people really understand what's getting in the way of them being who they really are in their lives whether that is in their own private world in their relationship you know in in, in their work um and, and yeah using all these different parts of mm-hmm. us to do that yeah. um um,
1: I think a lot of people have this story of um, oh, I can't change, I can't learn something new or I shouldn't be doing this. And I've often heard like, oh, you're doing something different now. And I'm really I've never done anything different. Actually, what I've done is is pulled together these tools and allowed myself to evolve to do something that I love. But actually, you know, um, I'm a qualified yoga teacher. That's amazing knowledge for me to have whilst doing this in terms of mm-hmm. helping people. The same as my personal training gave me such a strong understanding of body function and anatomy. My pelvic floor health work was actually what led me into doing somatic sexology because through working with women on pelvic floor strength, um people started opening up about conversations around sex and pleasure. Um, I, uh, I give Reiki, so intuitively that the energy work comes through with the client's consent of course Mm -hmm. um so it really is pulling all of these different tools and essentially people will come and work with me if they feel called to work with me but there's
0: yeah
1: so many ways that all of those things can come together that ultimately take people from where they are to happier more pleasure-loving liberated well communicating like yeah. They can be. yeah
0: yeah not not caged
1: not caged yeah yeah and really that is the caged in any sense whether it's yourself that's caged or whether you feel that you've been caged by other people or society or or anything like, I literally believe like if, if you've got this dream of of what you'll want your life to look like and and you've got this kind of sense that something's not quite right you're not feeling really who you are if you just give yourself permission then you can you can find it that that freedom value (laughs) comes back up constantly
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely and you know so often I hear people when they get to the end of all of the struggle it most often comes down to well, in the end, I just had to change my mind and decide to be free because doing the other just wasn't working. When you resist yourself, you you experience the consequences of that, whether that's being shut down or being you know hyper aroused in whatever way that that works. It, it mm-hmm. finds a way, and in the end, you know you can make a decision to to be yourself or suffer the consequences of not being.
1: And, yeah. Yeah. And we really do have all of the tools that we need within us. Yeah. And um, my job really is just to help people find their tools. I'm just a conduit for mm-hmm. for people to find that. Um, but really when when we give permission for that and just look inside, you know, it's there sometimes it's just really fucking scary to see it.
0: And so we <laughs> often need other people <laughs> to help us with that, you know. And yeah. and I I really believe that while we're you know we're pushing maybe the edges of some people's comfort with some of the context that we've talked about today, and that was very intentional on my part mm-hmm. and, you know you are definitely the perfect person to accompany others it, it, through this podcast through this conversation. Oh. Never mind any of the work that you do and i I will link um, put the links to your social media and your website in the show notes so people can start to. Have their edges pushed if that's what's needed? Because if you're feeling something about this conversation, there's something in that, and you know yeah. you can you can find more of yourself in those places, uh, those, those shadow places inside of you. So I I, I do hope that that people uh, explore what has has come up for them in, in mm-hmm. this um, in this conversation because maybe they can liberate themselves just that little bit more being less yeah.
1: of a coach and you said at the beginning that you know I had pushed my edges and trust me like this journey isn't one I took lightly I was really like I was the good girl that wanted to have perfect school grades and mm. wanted to fit in this box you know there there was there was nothing rebellious really about me um and I think sometimes from the outside without not having that context of of that it could seem that maybe I was always an edge pusher and this was easy but it's not and so I always think if you know if I can do this anyone (laughs) anyone can live any, any kind of life that they want to live if you're courageous enough and and you see those places that you are triggered and it feels uncomfortable and just be curious as to why that is
0: yeah yeah and you know to be fully as as fully authentic as I can be I you and I have talked about how there are some of my edges that you know our connection pushes and privately I am I'm not ready I I don't feel the need yet to go there with some of those things and you you know rightfully said well that's okay and you, you you helpfully um, encourage that from time to time, in when it comes up in conversation. But I don't need to liberate myself from that right now, and that's my choice, and and that's okay. And I'm sure at some point I will be told through through my mind, through my body, through my emotions, wherever else that that that, that it will be time for that. And I, I do have the occasional nudge, but I'm, I don't need to do it yet. And I respect myself for that. I don't need to come out about that yeah
1: absolutely you know. i think that's a really important part you know accepting that we we do have these these things in us these desires whatever and they, they actually really don't always have to be out nothing has to be out you never have to do anything or go anywhere and and that just admitting to yourself actually yeah there's something there and I don't need to do anything with it is really cool really really cool <laughs>
0: yeah yeah just it's equally as powerful it can be equally as powerful as doing something with it you know and it's it's what you think and know and feel about yourself that's the most important thing absolutely (sighs) thank you
1: thank you i hope i've not waffled too much
0: Not at all. I've I've loved it, and I'm sure everyone who's listening will have as well. And I look forward to some feedback. Um, the listeners, our community, are really are really forthcoming with the the feedback, and um, I will probably uh, collect some of that in, and we'll maybe do a responses episode maybe as a bonus sure. episode where if anyone's got any questions to ask you and honestly otherwise that we could we could do that because I think there'll be quite a lot that comes from this one
1: sure yeah, yeah absolutely you know, I'm honestly yeah, I'm an open book for nearly everything and um, there are parts that I respect other people don't want me to to talk about various things and then um, and that's cool but yeah ask me anything
0: <laughs> <laughs> well shall we to finish um do a card for you go on then yeah i'm so I'm, I'm <laughs> just showing i think you have you got this set or...
1: uh, i haven't um but we've done these before and i loved them and i really need to get that set yes
0: okay. i have got a well, goddess it's the... set. But
1: it's not that one
0: right so this is the sophie bashford uh goddesses gods and guardians oracle cards so they are uh, there's 44 cards, and they are predominantly well, they're quite heavy in uh, feminine duties to try to rebalance the uh, wounded masculine energy of our world right now. Um, I think it's quite cool in our country that we've recently um, appointed, well, a, a, a female prime minister has been appointed. Um, And there's all this kind of grandmother energy around as well with the the sad passing of the queen and the values that she uh, embodied, which were, you know, family, love, consistency, uh, doing hard things and keeping going. And for me, they're all very kind of uh, the, the, the kind of more powerful feminine qualities and um, I'm really hoping that that sets the tone. Yeah, definitely to, um, to reset. So I, I think these cards are so powerful because they tune us into the need to perhaps rebalance our divine feminine energy. And uh, so, yes. So, Nikki, if you could, uh, if, if you have a question uh, that you would like some guidance on, an open question, um just to feel that come in for you
1: um
0: if it doesn't and you just yeah and if you just want general guidance that's also fine Hmm. i'm just gonna feel into it for a second of course my love It's really interesting
1: because what's coming up is um, I, I've been feeling in like this real kind of dormant, um, almost dormant place for the last few months, but actually, what I recognize that is a, a time of integration, um, and also this, um, there's been this energy of like this, uh, you know, like when a seed is under the ground, and mm-hmm. and I've always been like what's next what's next and I've been really cool with just being in the being I've recognized the need to do that rather than constantly strive ahead and then on the other hand I've got like okay so what's next um and so and I feel like that I am that place of like I'm on the springboard waiting to like take the jump like of this like in fact I feel like I'm I'm jumping on the springboard to, to like take okay. the so I, the, the kind of what next after this period of of integration and germination is is what's the wisdom in that next? okay
0: so gods goddesses and guardians please provide Nikki with the guidance that she needs to illuminate her path around this what's next perfect is that okay yeah yeah and yeah may nikki receive your guidance with an open heart and mind which i'm sure you will so i'm going to feel into these cards for you <laughs> this is amazing
1: <laughs> your reaction then <laughs> oh good oh, lord goodness
0: me So Bridget, you are a healer. <laughs> so what can you see from this card there, Nikki, that's speaking to you?
1: Um I can see the uh the I don't know what the shape is. It's a bit like the the um the Nazi is it a not na- the Nazi symbol? Type? Uh
0: Bridget's Cross.
1: Yeah, but it comes there's like another meaning of that, isn't there, beyond that? Oh, and then like it, yeah. And then um like her fiery ha- red hair with these like flames here. But then, um, and also it's like her hand is like the base of a cauldron that, that's cooking up potions. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Um, and just, yeah, like, there's a, a steeliness, but a kind of knowing in her face. Um, it's kind of earthy, but fiery all at the same time
0: okay yeah this is a great one this one actually came out for amram recently and he's he's in a well he's moving into what's next at the moment so it's quite interesting um so let's see what uh what the guidance says okay So, so trust the healing energy of the goddess cross the threshold. (laughs) So Brigid is the Irish goddess of fire, water, healing and medicine, poetry and Smithcraft. Her name means fiery arrow. Legend says that when she was born, a flame reached from her head to the heavens. Her feast day in bulk on the 1st of February held the beginning of spring. Her symbols are thresholds, the hearth, sparks and flames, holy wells, snowdrops, and Bridget's cross made of reeds. The Celtus goddess of the flame and the well has arrived to take you across the threshold. This is a reinitiation into your ancient healing powers from Mother Earth. Bridget boldly declares, you are a healer. I mean, we know this, right? <laughs> you carry t- <laughs> We carry, you, you carry tools, remedies, and skills, and during previous incarnations, the healing energy of the goddess is embedded in yourselves. Mm. If you need healing yourself, let Bridget's bright blessings light the way. Strengthen your belief in your own power to heal. Or are you being called to facilitate healing for others? Remember, healing a healer's job isn't to rescue people from their problems. It's a humble role that helps someone call in their own highest vision of health and well-being. It's always the person who's receiving the healing who chooses how, when, and to what extent they're ready to heal. She's mm-hmm. listening to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> the powerful ancient healer inside of you may be scared of coming forward. You may you may be fearful of ridicule, criticism, or even punishment. Mm-hmm. Or you've had it. <laughs> long ago, the, the deep knowledge in you, sorry, long ago, the deep knowledge you carry was stolen, discredited, and used against you. Mm-hmm. But it's safe now to light up the world with your healing gifts. You're here to facilitate other healing. Sorry, healing for other beings and for Mother Earth.
1: Mm, that's amazing. I love that. And um, that there's uh, there's definitely um, times where um, where who I am has been used against me, and um, in the nicest possible way, couldn't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bucket with love, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like we've said it several times and in different ways. Like I, I do believe in this, like past life stuff. It it echoes through ourselves and and still things happen in this life. But ultimately, that there is no like it doesn't matter. People will say what they they want about me, and people will have opinions about me. And and I know that I'm act always from love and and with good intention and integrity and and so nothing can rock that nothing can rock anything in my life anymore
0: when you really believe in you yeah i'm reminded of the phrase what other people think of me is none of my business
1: yeah I've really struggled with that because, I, you know, there was a lot of people pleasing, um, you know, and I still am very aware of like uh, where where that comes up, um, and and I just have to always come back to that, you know, we're amazing, and and I do this work with love, and I'll continue to learn and unlearn things, and mm-hmm. um, and take that bridged energy.
0: trusting the healing powers Mm -hmm. that are within you and know that it's it's safe to heal now it's safe now because you've made it that way yeah yeah
1: yeah um there's nothing to hide there's there's no shame um And there's just love. And ultimately, that's what everything comes down to, whether we carry fears or shame or or judgments, like underneath all of that, we just want to be loved and we
0: are loved. Well, I think that shines out of you in your story that you've shared with us today. And I'm so grateful for you in my life. So there's one person that you've helped already, Mm -hmm. but I think that you will also have helped many more people through this conversation and as you step forward into your what next with a deeper sense of being connected to who you really are which will continue and um as you you know as you help many others because I think that's our highest calling right to to guide each other to 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 guide each other home
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: yeah
1: thank you so much well
0: thank you so much for for this conversation today um big love to you as always and um i will well i I will see you in the flesh hopefully in a couple of months time we're gonna we must get that organized actually um and uh and i'll be in touch with you regarding another another episode for feedback because i think there'll be a lot i think there'll (laughs) be a lot
1: (laughs) Bring it, bring it, bring it. I'm happy to take the good and the bad.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, listen, my love, you have a great rest of the day and uh, I love you and I'll see you
1: soon. I love you too. Thank
0: you. Oh, Nikki, thank you so much. I was really taken by so much of what Nikki was discussing was about how to be in relationships with yourself and those around you and how that can make all the difference to the experiences that we go through and perhaps the context, context is less relevant than what we do with the effects of the, the suffering that ensues following, whether it be rape, whether it be sexuality, Whether it be the fact that, you know, you want to discover new parts of yourself or return to parts of yourself that have long been forgotten. I think the way that Nikki described how she is with herself and how her wonderful husband is with her and that they are with their wider family and their children can give us all inspiration ...in terms of of how we do that for ourselves... ...and I hope that you've taken a lot from what Nikki has shared with you... ...shared with us. If anybody has any feedback, of course, as usual... ...please send it to me at martinblacklock at gmail.com... ...and for next week's episode... ...Amram and I are going on holiday. Yay! So I will be recording episode 8... And it's going to be a solo episode, so it'll just be me. And I'm going to give you an update on some of the recent effects of my ADHD. I've kind of gone through a bit of a relapse in the last week or so, and it's really shown. So I want to to talk about some of that with you. And I'm also going to dip back into grief and depression. The similarities between the two and also the very important differences. I thought it was really relevant to address the, the second issue based on the the passing of the Queen recently and how that seemingly has brought up all kinds of grief and loss for other people and so I wanted to offer some support there. And, uh, psychoeducation as well as comfort that what you will be experiencing is entirely natural it's your whole system trying to help you out to seek balance and I thought I would leave you with that while we are on holiday getting topped up for what looks like to be a very exciting next chapter for us both so I hope that you have a wonderful week until uh, you next hear me and we next share this space together. And as always, get strong, stay open, kind, and grateful. Lots of love. Bye bye.